Well, good evening, brethren. Uh, we have been covering uh, the areas of uh, Paul's epistles, and we've been covering uh, the book of Galatians. And uh, we saw in the previous study that uh, there were false brethren that came from Judea trying to turn away from the truth. So let's just pick up a few verses there in Galatians that we covered. Uh, first is in verse 6, where Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you, him being God, the Father who calls us, in the grace of Christ. In other words, in Christ's grace, which is his beloved son, and our Lord and Master, to a different gospel. And uh, so we see uh, that we have been called uh, by the Father in the grace of Christ. In other words, through Christ's act, but also with the gospel of, of Christ, which is as it says here, the grace of Christ, what Christ has done for us. It is an amazing act of submission, of love, of outgoing concern, and of supreme authority from God the Father and Christ himself. Because this act of submission shows his authority and his power over everything it just is amazing so then we go on here and says to a different gospel which is not another so people are being turned at this time that's what paul is referring to to another gospel which is not another which basically looks the same that's a deception in other words it looks the same is perverting the gospel. Uh, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert, uh, to twist, to change, to distort the gospel, the gospel of Christ, of what he's doing for us. And then he says, whoever does that, even if it is a spiritual world or whatever it is, let him be accursed and he gives a double curse there a double curse and so we we mentioned that the first line of attack of these false um, false brethren the first line of attack was to dis undermine paul's authority was to do everything they could to say, well, Paul's of authority that really does not have authority. And Galatians chapter 1 and halfway through Galatians chapter 2, uh, he, he basically, that's Paul defending uh, his apostolic authority. Then, um, then in verse 10, he says, for I do now, for do I now persuade men or God? Am I trying to convince men or God? I am not seeking to please men. If I pleased men, uh, I would not be a, a servant of Christ. I am a servant of Christ, Paul says. So I'm not trying to please myself. And then on verse 11 and 12, Paul talks about his conversion through Christ's direct intervention. So um, look at Yah uh, in verse 11. For I made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. I did not, uh, I was not one of the apostles going out with, the, with Christ. I did not learn from him while he was on earth physically. He very probably, of course, he knew Christ, he knew who he was, because Christ was well known amongst all people. But then in verse 12, he says, For I neither received it from man, 
so he, he did not receive this instruction from human beings, nor was I taught it by man, but it, it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ, came through Christ's own teaching. Christ personally taught me Christ's direct intervention. And then he, he says in verse 13, for you know of my former conduct in Judaism. In other words, he's not talking about his conduct as, let's call, a true follower of God's laws of the Old Testament. is as a conduct in Judaism, which was a different pharisaical approach of God's law. Because he says, uh, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. So we went through that last time, that he did try to destroy the church. We went through uh, in Acts, how he was uh, a witness to Stephen's martyrdom. And uh, also, uh, he persecuted the church until God called him. And now, uh, we stopped in verse 14 at the previous lesson. And it says, I advanced in Judaism. Amazing how he uses the word Judaism. Um, it, it basically is an approach uh, which is not necessarily biblical. It had a lot of traditions, human traditions, as he calls it, traditions um, of my fathers. So let's read this. For advancing Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. <laughs> Beg your pardon. He advanced in these uh, Judaical approaches beyond his contemporaries, beyond those that lived at the same time as he did in his own nation being more exceeding zealous for the traditions of my fathers. More exceeding zealous for the traditions of my fathers. I'm not saying more exceeding zealous for God's commandments and God's principles brought out in the Old Testament, but for the traditions of my fathers. This was the Judaical environment from which he was brought up as a Pharisee, as a strong Pharisee. So uh, let's just talk a little bit about traditions. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I deliver them to you. There's nothing wrong with traditions, provided those traditions are following what God tells us to do. We gotta have traditions that follow what God tells us to do. That's what we gotta do. God's traditions, those are good. So, uh, so there's nothing wrong with traditions provided they're good traditions, provided they back up the principles in the Bible. That's why it says follow the law and the testimony. The testimony is the, the witness uh, of Christ and of the apostles, basically their conduct, their traditions, their example. That's why it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's why quite often we need to say, uh, don't follow me, but follow Christ, or follow me as long as I'm following Christ. But if I deviate 
from the truth, don't follow me. That is a very important point. Now, continuing, uh, what were some of the traditions of the Jews? I'm going to look at two. Um, I'm going to look at, at two. There are many others, that, uh, but let's look at Matthew uh, chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Verse 2 and 3. Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? It's the same thing Paul was saying. The traditions of my fathers. Why do Christ's disciples were transgressing the traditions of Judaism? Of the Pharisees. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. Now, uh, nowadays, because of COVID, everybody's careful about washing their hands. Is that what it's talking about? Hygiene? Look at verse 3. And he answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? You see, Paul was very zealous in these traditions that transgressed the commandments of God. You see, so traditions, if they break in God's law, are not good. For it is, Christ then refers to it. God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and you and he will curse the father and mother, letting him be put. However, who says to his father or mother, uh, well, um, I'm not going to give my, or going to help my dad or my mom, uh, because uh, you have made that void, because you, you have certain laws that says, no, this, I won't give because I made this holy, therefore I'm not going to give it and help my parents. You see, so, um, so Christ was criticizing them. Uh, and then let's look a little bit further in verse 6. Uh, then he need not, because of those traditions, he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. And so we go back. So what's wrong with washing hands then? Why was Christ criticizing them? By washing hands. You see, the problem is that they had some sort of a specific routine that made them spiritually better people than others spiritually between inverted commas because of their way they washed hands it wasn't just hygiene so let's look at mark chapter 7 mark chapter chapter 7 uh, verse 3 For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way. Unless they wash their hands in a special way. Holding the tradition of the elders was not the act of washing your hands before you eat for hygiene purposes. It was washing their hands all the way up to their elbows in a special way to be better, to be better than others. Look at verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, 
but eat bread with unwashed hands in a special way. And then Christ answered and said to them, verse 6, Well, did not Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? I mean, Christ did not beat around the bush. You bunch of hypocrites, man. He's telling them. He's telling them. Hey, you guys are hypocrites. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of man. The law of man is not talking about the law of God. It's talking about man-made laws. Now, Paul, when he talks about laws, sometimes you've got to read, read the context. Because sometimes he may be talking about God's law. Sometimes he may be talking about the ceremonial law, which is killing animals uh, as a sacrifice. Sometimes you may be talking about the law of man. So you have to read the context because in the context, you'll then understand which law he's referring to. That is very important. Now, Alonia, I've just described you three types of laws. The law of God, eternal law, the Ten Commandments, the law, which is the ceremonial laws, which were added because of transgressions. And I've also talked about here, laws of man. So it's, it's, it's very important to understand that. And so he says, uh, verse 8, for laying aside the commandment of man, you hold the tradition of man. In other words, commandments of men, traditions of the fathers, as Paul referred to. And he said to them in verse 9, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. This Christ criticized them, and this was what Paul was encountering, because he came from Judaism between inverted commas it's not talking about being anti-jew it's talking about this jewish approach of that time or in other words pharisaical approach of that time that was breaking god's laws so one tradition i mentioned i said i was going to talk about two one of them was the way they washed their hands, quote-unquote, but in a specific way. Look at another tradition. You probably didn't notice this, but look at another tradition in Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Acts chapter 10, verse 28. Then he said to them, you know, now this is uh, the situation here, Peter, and uh, is the situation here of the house of Cornelius. And then you know how unlawful. What law? What law? Is it God's law? Is it in the Bible? Because it's, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to another nation. Oh, since when is that God's law? That you can't have company with people of other nations. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. This was not a biblical law. It was a Jewish law, a tradition of man. 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jews can't talk to Gentiles and be with Gentiles and eat with Gentiles. It said if they want to be part of your nation, they have to be circumcised to be, quote unquote, integrated into the nation. It's like the, the nationalization, to be a, a member of that nation, like to be nationalized, to be uh, to be part of the, the nation, they had to be circumcised. But they could be together. Nothing in the law says they could not be together. You see, look also um, at Acts 11, verse 2. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision... Those of the circumcision. In other words, some of the Jews that were of that group, of that clique. In other words, very probably, the Pharisaical faction of the Jews, the Pharisees, those of the circumcision, contended with him. Saying, you, they said to Peter, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. Where is it in God's law that you cannot eat with Gentiles? You see, so this was against pharisaical law not against God's law. Look also at Acts 15. Acts 15, verse 1. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised. Those were the circumcision of that sort of mentality. Those that are of the circumcision. According to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So salvation is because of physical circumcision, which means unless you are circumcised and unless you are a national of the nation of Israel, circumcised, you cannot be saved. And, and, and then he says, therefore, when Paul and Barnabas, you see, Barnabas had traveled with Paul. Barnabas had been in that first, first missionary trip with Paul all the way. You see, this Acts 15 is after the first missionary trip. So Barnabas had been with Paul all the way. So he knew this very well. He had lived. And there was no small argument. There was a big raucous, a big argument in the church, in the early church. And therefore they determined that Paul and Barnabas and other, others of them, we read that included uh, Titus as well. Uh, in Galatians, we will see that included Titus. And says, and, and others other of them should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question, about this big problem that was there in the church in Antioch. So uh, they, they, they did go. So we see that Paul was advanced in the tradition of his fathers as we read there in Galatians chapter 1 verse 14 and I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation in other words he was super righteous in this matter he was the, the creme de la creme of this quote unquote belief he was really exceedingly zealous 
for the traditions of my fathers. Amazing that God used a man like that and knocked his head like cracking a nut and said, right now, uh, listen to me. So it just shows out. And then look at it. But when it pleased God, when God decided, now is the time. God knows when to do it. God knows when to do specific things. God who separated me from a mother's womb and called me through his grace. God had already from whilst Paul was still in his mother's womb was already set aside because he knew through the family where, where he would be and you say well is this predestination? No. And I'll tell you why it's not predestination a very simple example. Some of you play chess if you play chess and if you are a good chess player you are going to kind of predetermine where your opponent is going to go and you're going to create certain moves to cause your opponent to go in certain moves so that later on you can check mating you can kind of forecast what he, the opponent is going to do if you create the right bait. And then later on, you've got the trap and you got in. If you're a good chess player, you can work out your moves in advance. It's not that you can read the future. But it's just that you have that type of brain that you can think it through and you can work it out well in advance. Do you think that God has that brain that he can work things out and says, well, with this set of situations, I can move the, the pieces of the chess that way. That's why it's not predestined, but when he wants to do something, he can maneuver things for that to happen. That's why God can prophesy and say certain things are going to happen. And it will happen. Why? Because God can make sure it will happen that way because he is powerful enough to do it. If people disobey him, God says, this is going to happen. And he can make sure it will happen. Because God is the boss. He's not a dictator. He's a loving, caring. But in the end, we are going to fall trap because of the fruits. If we do wrong, of doing wrong. It will catch people in due time. In due time. Now, continue. So when it pleased God, when it was the right time, who had already separated me from a mother's womb for this purpose, he was making sure that he had the right education, the right training, was exposed to the right Jewish leaders. Why? Because God needed a man that would go to the Gentiles, that would know Judaism like the back of his hand to be able to fight and to break through and to create God using this man, create a breach to break through this uh, Jewish stronghold against Gentiles. So God had to use somebody that really knew the Jewish law. And why not? Make sure that this individual, Saul, was such a top, top-notch uh, 
disciple in that teaching, in that doctrine, superzealous, that then at the right time, when it pleased God, called him through his grace, called Paul. He had been sanctified. He had been separated for that purpose. And then at the right time, God called him when knocked him on the head and said, hello, Paul. Hello. Why are you persecuting me? And then he was blind. And then he had to think about it for three days. And he had to really repent. And he had to accept the offer authority that God had laid down through his ministry. God, through Christ, through those apostles, and he had to accept that authority to be healed. So it just shows that line of authority that existed. And so continuing, yeah, uh, verse um, 16. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. You know, I might preach the gospel of Christ, what his son did among the Gentiles. So his job was to preach among the Gentiles, and yes, and other, uh, he had a threefold mission as we covered before, but he had. One of his main missions was to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And so I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. I did not get this apostolic authority by talking to men. Again, we are called to the ministry. Is not something that we take it upon ourselves. God calls us to the ministry. And, and, and that is a calling from God. And then his calling was to preach to the Gentiles. Now, verse, um, in verse 16... Preaching to the Gentiles. Why is he focusing on this about preaching to the Gentiles? Because he is defending his apostolic authority. His responsibility that was given to him by God to get through to the Gentiles. Let's look at Romans chapter 11. Romans Chapter 11, verse 13. Romans chapter 11, verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. Why? Why? Because in the Jewish circles, apparently they were undermining, they were running down the ministry to the Gentiles, like second class citizens, things like that. And Paul is saying this ministry to the Gentiles is not inferior than the ministry to the Jews. He is defending his apostolic authority. So let's go on. Continue our reading in verse 17. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were the apostles before me. In other words, I did not get the, the teaching. From man, I do not confer it with flesh and blood, nor did I go to the apostles that had been apostles before I was. 
but I went to Arabia. I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. And then after three years, Paul went to Arabia for three years and somehow he was taught in Arabia by Christ himself for three years. He is training to this apostolic job was given to him directly by Christ, not by man, not by the other apostles that were before him, but this training was given to him by Christ himself. Now, I went to Jerusalem to see, uh, and then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him for 15 days. So what have we got here? Paul was called, probably, probably, I'm not saying for sure, but probably about one year after Christ's death, maybe AD 32. He was taught by Christ for three years. So 32 plus 3 makes it AD 35. Right? Then he went to see Peter and remained there for 15 days. Verse 19. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Ah. So James, the Lord's brother, was an apostle. I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Was James, the Lord's brother, one of the 12 apostles? No. Because we know that his brothers, his siblings, didn't believe in him until after his resurrection. But James, the Lord's brother, is an apostle. Look at Acts 14, 14. Look at Acts 14, 14. And when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, ah, the apostles, Barnabas and Paul. So yeah, we have Barnabas is an apostle, and Paul is an apostle, and James is an apostle. So there were more than 12 apostles. So uh, uh, let's continue now in Galatians chapter one, and now we finished reading verse 19. So let's read now verse 20. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Wait, I'm not lying. That I was taught by Christ himself for three years. I'm not lying there. Afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. So, once Paul was taught by Christ, he went to tell Peter. And then, he went back to Syria and Cilicia, so we know he was in the area, uh, in that area. And I was unknown by face to the churches in Judea, which were in Christ. The brethren in Judea did not know of Paul, except they knew that he was the one that had tried to persecute them. 
verse 23, but they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith, once which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. So, he was not known. And look at chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years. So what do we have is, Paul was called, probably AD 32. He was taught for three years, probably till AD 35. And then he goes on for another 14 years, which puts us, what, AD 49, which is the time of the Jerusalem conference. So, um, and that is the time of Acts 15, right? It, it all click, 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 it clicks in. And so during that period of 14 years, he learned more about God's word. And then those last few years of those 14 years, that is from AD 45 to AD 48, say about those last three years, because he went to Jerusalem in AD 49. So those last three years, 45 to 48. So that's like after he'd been in the church and been after he had seen Peter for 10 years, he had been taught by Christ for three. Then he went to see Peter just for 14 days. And then he was 10 years growing and learning and practicing. living. And then he had his first missionary trip for three years. And then there was this big debate in the church. Then they ended up going to Jerusalem conference. You can see how it all fits together. So uh, that puts that together. And now we begin chapter Two, because now this is the Jerusalem conference of Acts 15. So he says, then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. Remember Barnabas? Paul and Barnabas were the apostles, as we read in Acts 14, 14 a while ago. And Barnabas went with Paul on his first missionary trip. He, everything, Barnabas was involved in. And Paul, they were working together for that first missionary trip. And also took Titus with me. You see, Titus also went, because remember when it says Paul and Barnabas and other men, which would include Titus, of course, because that's what he says, yeah. And I went, by revelation. So, what do we have here? Titus went to the Jerusalem conference to prove a point. And we'll get to that in a moment. And then he says, and I went up by revelation. What do you mean by that? Well, by revelation is one Greek word, uh, Greek 602, apocalypsis. Uh, it could be translated uh, because of, by, because of, in fact, in my Bible, in my New King James Version, there where it says by, uh, next to by, it's got a little one, and then in my margin says because of. So I went up because of revelation. What do you mean? Of disclosing explaining this truth disclosure of this truth so you went because of the need to disclose this truth this understanding of what is happening with the gentiles so that's why they went to to the jerusalem conference to to explain what was happening translated yeah by revelation but it could be translated because of the disclosure of this truth and then he says, and communicated to them. So when you look at Acts 15, verse 4, so let's look very briefly at Acts 15, verse 4. 
It says, and they, and when they came to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they reported all things that God had done to them. That's what it's saying there in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 2. He went up to report all these things, to explain, to disclose the truth of what's happening, to give them the news of, of his missionary trip and how God was working and calling Gentiles. But he went to the church and the apostles and the elders. And so when we go back to Galatians 2, Verse 2, it says, and communicated to them. Who's them? The church and, and, and the apostles and the elders. That gospel which I preached among the Gentiles. That good news that I preached among the Gentiles. But privately to those who were. What do you mean but privately to those who were? Of reputation. You see. He then. Went privately. To those. That were members. Of the conference. Like I say. But separately. But he particularly. in With specific focus. He went. Let's call it. To that council of elders. You know. And he went to that. Privately. To that, so he went to the church, but then privately, like in an executive session, he then went and discussed this situation. Let's call it in an executive session uh, about what God was doing. It so privately to those who were. So um, uh, look, let's look at Acts fifteen verse six. Acts fifteen verse six. It says. And the, now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. So he went to the church, but then privately, in particular, in a, like an executive council session, he then got together with the apostles and elders to discuss this hot issue about Gentiles coming into the church because those that were of the circumcision uh, were saying, well, these Gentiles now need to do this to be saved. So, hey, this is a big issue. So he went privately, privately to these people to discuss that. So let's continue now in uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, to those that were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. In other words, I might run. That's in the present continuous tense. Might run or had run. Or put it in other ways. Otherwise, it was the work that he was doing so that the work that he was doing and that he had done would not be in vain. You see, he had to discuss this so that with the elders, with the leadership of the church, with the, the council, let's call it that, and be, otherwise this, the work he had been doing and he had done, that he was doing and had done to the Gentiles that God was calling through the ministry to the Gentiles, Gentiles, so that this would not be in vain. And now continuing in verse 3. Yet not even Titus. Remember I mentioned just now a, a moment ago. That Titus went really to prove a point. And he has the point that Titus proved by being there. Because Titus was a Gentile. Titus was a Greek. Therefore Titus was not circumcised. And he says, but yet not even Titus, who was with me being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So when Titus, which was with Paul, which was a Gentile, which was one of those that had been converted, 
the apostles at that meeting do not say, hey, you're going to circumcise Titus. No. That was not even compelled. So that was not even mentioned, put it another way. Why? Because they recognized by Titus the fruits of a Gentile having God's Holy Spirit and he wasn't circumcised. So they saw by the fruits. So Titus went as a, as a witness, a living witness of what God was doing to Gentiles. He has a man becoming a pillar in the church, right? Becoming an elder in the church. We, we know we've got the epistle to, the, to Titus. So yeah, you have a man and God was using him. So that says there, uh, yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. Okay, let's now look at verse 4. And this occurred, you see, this whole issue, this whole Jerusalem conference, all this occurred, why? Because false brethren, False brethren. Or maybe they were brethren. Maybe they were in the church. But there was something wrong there. False brethren secretly brought in. Who came in by stealth. To spy our liberty. Which we have in Christ Jesus. That they might bring us into bondage. You see, these false brethren came in by stealth. It's like a stealth aircraft. You know, your radar doesn't pick it up. He came in very subtly. You see, Satan is subtle. He says he was more subtle than all the animals. It said when the serpent came to Adam. Subtle. Subtle. Deceiving. Deceiving. They came in by stealth, like under the radar, that they were infiltrating into the church. Under the radar, subtle, little lies yeah, little twists yeah, subtle. That is dangerous. Brought in, uh, secretly brought in, uh, who came in by stealth. To spy out our liberty. You know, so what do you mean our liberty? So in first place, these were Pharisees. You read that in Acts 15 verse, uh, uh, verse 5. Acts 15 verse 5. Well, in verse 1, you know, they unless you are circumcised. Yah is talking about false brethren. And then in Acts 15 verse 5, it says, but some of the sect of the Pharisees. See, these were Pharisees. This is the so-called Judaism. And Paul himself said, when he was defending his position, he's saying, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. You know, he was like, you know, super zealous about that. So, uh, so he's talking about Pharisees that came to spy our liberty in Christ. Our liberty which we have in Christ. What is liberty? What is liberty? Is liberty to do what it pleases me? That's not liberty. That's pain and suffering. You see, if you do what pleases you sooner or later, there's going to be pain. Oh, yeah. In the short term, it may appeal good. It may appeal, oh, I have the sense of peace. Or it may appeal, 
I get some satisfaction. But that is short term. Because after that is suffering and pain. True liberty is the liberty to live as we should. True liberty is to live as we should, not to live as we please. Oh, people today says, well, you are liberated from the law, from the law. You don't have to keep God's commandments. Oh, so I can kill now? If I can murder people, I'm, I'm liberated from the law. To what were we slaves? Romans chapter 6, verse 20. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. Romans chapter 6, verse 20. For when we were slaves of sin, you were free regarded to righteousness. Slaves of sin. Look at verse 16. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey. If you're a slave, whether to sin, leading to death, or of obedience, leading to righteousness. Slaves of sin. That means slaves of Satan. Slaves of demonism. And that brings fear. That brings problems to people. People that are influenced by Satan, they have mental problems. They struggle. They are suffering. Oh, they were free to do anything, everything. Oh, when they first got this thing, I just had this feeling of such peace. Like, because now they don't have any peace. You see, Satan is subtle, comes in by stealth. And so his ministers come in by stealth. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, uh, last week we mentioned about this. And let me just emphasize this again. It's talking about uh, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. You remember I mentioned the word evil there is a word that implies that you, that being Satan wants to cause evil. I said it's not just evil, but wants to cause trouble and pain. So um, that is this present evil age. We as Christians, we are called as Christians to be liberated from this bondage of Satan. Our calling is not for us to be free to do or live as we please which in the end does not really make us free, but makes us slaves of Satan and his demons of demonism. Therefore, we are really free from this bondage of Satan. That's why it says you're free yeah, in Galatians chapter 2. It says that they... These people that come in in stealth, they bring us into bondage. Because in the end, 
we are being deceived by Satan. So this is, brethren, where we're going to stop today. We'll continue with this uh, next lesson. And uh, thank you so much, and you all have a good evening.